Hi, this is Tina and Ati, and you're listening to Marked by Africa. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode. I know it's been a really long time, but you know, to my defense, I had a bit of a hard time letting go of my last conversation and leaving it there. Just thinking about it and realizing, you know, there's a lot of African people who are all over the world, spread all over the world. And we all had different experiences. We all had different circumstances that have led us to going there. So I had to take some time and think about what it is I want to do and who I want to talk to. So without further ado, I had the pleasure of being introduced to this incredible young man called Murray. And we had a really good conversation that was really insightful for me. Murray spent a considerable amount of his life in a refugee camp and before coming to Australia and now he actually works with refugees and a lot of young people who have had the similar experience so we have the benefit of his own personal experience and also from you know a professional lens this things that um he sees and he talks to you know other people about so yeah let's tune in and listen to what he has to say I promise you you won't regret it. it it's a great great conversation i really enjoyed every bit of it and i just can't wait for for you all to hear it hello hello blessing hi how are you good thanks how are you good we finally made it i know <laughs> <laughs> can be hard to schedule these things in a busy life. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I just kind of, I guess I'll just start with just letting you know a little bit about what I've been doing. Yes. Previously, I had like some, a chat with some people. I had a chat with a young girl who's African, um, was born back in Africa but came to Australia when she was like a year old and she's never been back home yes so I kind of wanted to get her experience about what it feels like and what her cultural experience has been like being an African yet not having that memory I guess of it yes and I also spoke to someone um who came to Australia when she was an adult, well, who moved out of Africa when she was an adult. Yes. And just to see what her experience was like, because as for myself, I left when I was 16. Yeah. Which was a very different stage of my life. So the experiences are a bit different. Yes. But what I know and what I've been aware of, I guess, is that there's lots of people who are refugees who've grown up in refugee camps yes and had to come here and that awareness that their experience is probably different from our experience so that's true so i just wanted yeah i wanted you to 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 give us a little bit of an insight on what that that's like yes so i guess you could just start with just telling a little bit about 
your background? Well, um, as you know, my name is Mari. Yeah. From I was born in Sierra Leone, and so we experienced one of the most brutal civil war in the history of humanity. I guess um, it's a small African country. We have a rich history of colonization and migration. So people in Sierra Leone, we have 16 ethnic groups and those ethnic groups, most of them migrate from other parts of Af Africa to settle in Sierra Leone. And we also have um, a group of people from particular ethnic who were descendants of slaves that went um, were freed during the abolition of slave trade. So we are a mix of culture. And from both from my maternal and paternal side, I'm blessed to have um, people from different ethnic groups. So, but during the Civil War, um, things happened in Sierra Leone which were really brutal and it was terrible if people some people who may have watched um, Blood Diamond would understand exactly where I'm coming from. So, but as a young person, I experienced some of these things. I was in Sierra Leone some part during the Civil War. At some point, I had a disrupted schooling. We we have to move to another country, which was a neighboring country in Guinea. Most of us have to be in refuge, and I lived in a refugee camp for some time of my life, and also went to the city, Conakry, the city of the Republic of Guinea. So I, some part of my life, I was staying with other relatives, which were not my parents. So life was completely different from other young people. Life, yeah, yeah for, for a young person that experienced a civil war, to witness the civil war, your life is completely different from people who, who experience stable upbringing in their entire life. For someone who fled from, left their country to live in a refugee camp or to seek asylum in another country, your life is completely different from people who have a stable life or people who were brought up in a Western or a civilized, a Western, sorry, I would say Western country. Mm -hmm. yeah. So how old were you when you were in a refugee camp? Um, I was pretty young when the war started, when we came to Freetown. By then I just um, finished my primary school, going to secondary school. So I was I was really I was really young. That mm. time I went to Guinea. I was in Guinea until I turned eighteen. Then I came to Australia. So I would say part of my childhood life, I experienced um, trauma. I experienced war, and of course, I know in Africa people experience poverty. But when you are in a poor country and at the same time a country that is experiencing civil war, it's a completely different experience. Yeah, yeah. So you're... Yeah, 
you don't have that you don't have the freedom you are not safe and at the same time you experience in poverty mm, yeah. mm. so your your memory of um i guess africa and pretty much growing up would be pretty much full of that trauma and civil war and refugee camp experiences yeah, yeah exactly so even if you are in if you are in school at the same time you'll be worried about family members that are missing or the family members that are still in the war you so your life experience is pretty much different so you sometimes you have to think like an adult you have to think for your survivor mm. yeah so when you came to australia i'm just like how was it like having to do that transition like and i'm i guess i'm asking this question thinking about my own experience yeah. and you know i didn't have anywhere near a similar experience as you did yeah. i did grow up in a very stable country in botswana yeah. but coming here as a 16 year old for me it was such a huge shock yeah. still coming from you know a village in africa to now and and when we came here we went straight into sydney so that was like just a completely different world but from your experience basically not having had that picture of a stable environment what was it like coming into australia well it was um of course it was a shock it was a shock for me so when we arrived, I arrived with some of my family members and other um, family friends, people around me. But it was still, it was completely different. When I arrived, I actually arrived, I went to a very small a rural town called Lismore in New South Wales. And it was quite a quiet place. And mind you, I've lived in Freetown, which is, um, even if it's a small city compared to other African city, but it's bigger than this more, the population is big and things are different. Then I've lived in Conakry, which are not a poor um, city, but a very big city, if you look in terms of population in Africa. So my life experience is completely different. So coming to a smaller town, and I, it was difficult for us to adjust to the way people live here, mind you, in Africa, in our society, wherein everyone is somehow related to each other, everyone looked after each other, coming to a country where you don't even know your next door neighbor. It's, so, I, so it was a shock for me. You know, There were a lot of things that I, I have to adjust to. I have to adjust to the system of living here. And, you know, there were a lot of things that took me some time to adjust to the way of life I guess Mm. I I can definitely relate to that I remember that was one of the things that I struggle with a bit where you know where I grew up in my village like you said everybody around us was pretty much related to us somehow all our neighbors were our relatives and then I came here and lived for four years in an apartment block and I didn't even know my neighbors yeah they didn't talk to you. You just, you know, passed each other like you don't know each other. But what you just said there was something that I probably didn't think about of the fact that you would have been coming from 
a place where the population is bigger you know the the place itself is bigger and then Australia the way they settle refugees is usually in smaller towns yeah so it, it's a difference not just in the way of life but also in the the size of the place you are in and your surroundings yeah hmm. yeah, yeah I think that's um it's a challenging thing for um uh, most people and especially like I've worked with refugees and asylum seekers so I'm a social worker by profession I've worked yeah. with because of my experience I choose to work with people that um, share similar experience with me so I've worked with asylum seekers and refugees I've actually volunteered with a lot of um, new migrants in my communities I've been involved in a lot of things um, project in the African community in New South Wales, in Sydney in particular. So I've worked with people I can always relate when they um, explain their struggle because I came through the, a similar situation. I've been, I've experienced a similar situation where I've been placed in a rural town which the support system is not the same as living in a major city like Sydney. And that's why I have to actually move to Sydney. So when I came, I was in Lismore, which the opportunity is there. And as a young man, I want to work. I want to look for a job. So I want to get myself um, involved in community. And I only have a very small community to involve in. I was struggling with adjustment. So me and my brother decided, okay, so we can move to Sydney, which is a bigger town. You have a big, a larger African population. You can network better with people and you have better opportunities. So that's why I ended up mm. moving to Sydney. Yeah. So do you think having that, that, that network of other Africans and being involved with other Africans helps in the adjustment process? Well, it's, yes, it does help. Um, look, when I came, so... For the first part of so uh, my time, I was trying to connect to people. I was lucky when I came. I think I came for a visit to Sydney. So there was a soccer match. I went to that soccer match through a family friend. I saw a few people that I know back home. So those people connect me to other people. I started building more relationship i started getting more friends until i met someone that was actually my childhood friend that we went to the same school so that's how i started establishing my relationship and connections with people here in sydney so i think that helps that network having that connection having people that you can relate with it's helped you to adjust to the society Otherwise, it would have been difficult for me to live in places like Lismore, given I have experienced trauma in the past. So you are faced with a post-traumatic stress and still trying to think of how to adjust in a society. It's not easy. I can understand for people that are coming to Australia because I've experienced the same, that it's not an easy process to go through. Hmm. Without getting, you know, too political about yeah. it, but what do you think is missing in um, the post-settlement program that the, the Australian government currently has? Yeah. 
But I think it's the, um, which are some, because I've worked in a similar industry, I can understand sometimes that it's difficult to plan for people that are moving to your country to give them the right support that they need. It's sometimes difficult because, um, especially coming from Africa, the our lifestyle is different from someone, for example, who is coming from Afghanistan. Our religious needs or cultural needs are different from someone mm-hmm. who is coming from Myanmar or Burma. So it can be difficult for government to give you the same program. So I think that makes it difficult to prepare for people that are settling into a country. But I think the best way to do that sometimes is to find someone that understands that culture, that understands those needs or the cultural needs of those people to help in preparing their their settlement into Australia. This is sometimes missing. For example, when we came to Lismore, we had a social worker who doesn't understand our culture, who doesn't understand our way of life. It was very difficult for us to connect with that social worker. I only saw a few times. And I started realizing this when I did social, when I finished my social work degree and working with people mm. from different cultures, I started realizing, I reflect back to my experience. Sometimes it's important to link people with someone that understand them. Yeah, yeah. No, I can totally understand that. Um, speaking about culture, like having experienced what you experienced coming into Australia, do you, do you, did you have to relearn a little bit of your own culture? Um, well, I can't say I relearned about my culture. Where, um, what I would say is I think um, this gives me a bit of, it helps me to value my culture better. So, for example, um, coming to Australia with a very different culture, a very different way of life for my culture, there are things that I missed that I should have learned back home that I'm, um, or I should, I value back home, like, for example, that community network, you know, that family orientation, things that the way we value that in the greater Africa it's completely different from how a Western society values family. For example, if Western society looks at, you know, the, the family setting as the husband and wife and children setting, whilst, for example, in an African society, mm. we look at it from a broader perspective. We look at the uncle, the cousins, and as part of that network, and it helps us it helps us when we're stressed. It helps us when we're facing difficulties in life. It helps us to connect when we need that connection. But here, it's completely different. So I think coming to Australia with less family members, sometimes I have to value my country, my culture back home. Yeah, just yeah. reflecting yeah. back on yeah, it. Exactly. Just... Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So something that I experienced in a lot of people that I've talked to who came here, you know, somewhere around their teen years was being such a stage where you're still trying to, you know, figure out who you are and all of that. And then having to move right in the middle of it. 
we struggled a lot with with just finding that cultural identity and sticking to I guess who we are and figuring out who we are and just blending that dual identity so we end up just developing that dual identity of you know part of you knows and understands you're African but then now you are in Australia and you're learning how to do Australian ways and bringing those things together in yourself as that one person is that something that you know you you kind of have experienced or you think someone you know with your background would go through yeah well I worked with a lot of young people in the community. So, example, so I was talking to you, I organized a sports event wearing one of the biggest African cultural events in Sydney. So I've worked with, I've interacted with a um, lot of young people and I have friends that struggle with that. I think that's something that's um, definitely, it's part of our struggle as young people coming to Australia or into another culture because we have things that we used to do differently and coming trying to adjust to another country we have things that we pick up along the line and to make those things fit to make it work for us sometimes you can have that cultural clash so i I know i face that a lot and i've been talking to young people that are facing that a lot for example I don't want to be political as well. Like when I looked at the situation in Melbourne, for example, things that have been like the young African gang issue, which I don't call a gang, but because sometimes young yeah. people face that clash between their culture and the culture, their the, the current society. It makes it difficult for them to adjust. They try to fit in. Sometimes when they try to fit in, they can get into trouble easily. So it's some it's something definitely that's happening to a lot of Africans that I've interacted with, a lot of young Africans. Mm. Yeah. And it can I think sometimes it left us in that left in a place where you cannot, you know, it will be hard for you to reconnect back with your culture. Um, currently, I'm working as a therapeutic caseworker. I've worked with a lot of young people who came arrived in Australia when they were young and they don't understand their culture. And sometimes they easily can easily get into trouble and it's difficult for them to connect back to that culture. So um, I've worked with a lot of those people. Sometimes we try to and link them with people that can help them understand their culture better. And I think that's helped them to rebuild or to heal themselves. Yeah, yeah, I really like the way you're putting that. Like, just reconnecting with your culture actually helps you heal yeah, yourself yeah. better. Because I think that's that, that's essentially something that I've experienced, not having had any trauma in my background, yeah. but just being able to reconnect back to my culture after that whole experience of the culture shock of coming here, it, it is a bit of yeah, a healing. It is. It, yeah. it really is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, just something that, again, being aware of refugees 
have different experiences to some yeah. migrants, basically. One thing that I know I've always felt really uncomfortable with is always feeling like a token African. Yeah. Like being compared to people who were, you know, obviously refugees and came yeah. to Australia and they're still trying to find that space, they're still trying to find out how they can get out and me as someone who just migrated here being compared to those people and then be taken as oh you are more successful you were able to do that so they shouldn't be having that kind of problem like for us Africans especially for Africans who just migrated here who haven't had you know we're not refugees don't have that background of um war-torn countries what are some practical ways that you think we can do to help each other up especially in just being able to come together as one community because we are one community yeah um i think we yes we are one community so i've been fortunate to be in a lot of organization within the community that try to connect africans together or try to help for example i've worked with um community of elders been part of an advocacy um committee for young africans so and always there's always this discussion about the needs of african refugees and the general needs of other africans for example there was a time that we met with few um mps in new south wales and part of the discussion was to talk about creating employment for africans wow like honestly as you can see by now this is going to be a lot longer than the last ones that I've had because there's just so much to talk about. I honestly just don't even think that we covered everything. So anyway, let's keep on listening. There's more stuff to cover here. All right. So you were saying about the, yeah, con- y- yeah. finding so- that balance between the needs of refugees and the needs of other Africans. Africans, yes. Yeah. So it can be, I think it's about, it's about con- sometimes we need to consult each other to understand what, act- what, what people need. So, um, example, when Australia provide, I would say, for example, when they provide migration support for Africans, um, they look at the general population as one, all Africans as one. No, we are not. Mm. In terms of culture, in terms of ethnicity, yes, we we can, of course, we can be able to support each other. But in terms of other needs, like, for example, in terms of employment needs, the needs of African refugees can might be different from the needs of people who arrive here who are a bit settled, who arrive here as professionals, who they at least they are in a better position. For example, they finish their degrees, they can get employment. Whereas, for example, if you take someone who came from Darfur or some part of Sudan who hasn't been able to benefit from Western education or who is still trying to learn English, their needs are completely different from someone who at least have attained some form of education. So it's about consulting, it's about talking to people and 
asking them what they actually want, what their needs are, and how you can support them. So if you're looking at supporting Africans in Australia as a group, sometimes you miss the whole picture. Mm, mm. I I really love that response. It's, It's a response that I think I give people sometimes and they just get shocked by it like it's just as simple as being able to just ask people what do you need what yeah, do you exactly. want yeah it's it like have... saying as well that i don't like to say someone will we always joke as young africans when people meet you they said do you speak african mind you mm. you're coming from a country with over three thousand ethnic ethnicities and you know coming from a very big continent look sorry see I just said country, coming from a very big continent with people from different cultures and different backgrounds and different needs. So our understanding sometimes can be different. Yes, uh, the color of our skins are likely the same, but not always. So sometimes even when we talk about Africans, people don't consider like, for example, people from Egypt or people from Algeria as Africans. But yes, they are. They are within that continent. Their needs are different from someone who came from South Sudan who has experienced war in his yeah. own entire life. Or compare someone who has been in maybe Chad who has experienced civil war in her entire life. Yeah. Who yeah. was not fortunate to attend school or who is still learning English. So to give them the same support is not the same. Mm. The best way to help those people support them is by talking to them. Make sure you understand what their needs are. Mm. What sort of challenges have you personally faced with um, basically your, your your cultural background in Australia? Um, I think the um, I faced a lot. So I've, um, sometimes it might be people like the misconception, the perception about who you really are. And like you said before, a lot of people will say, oh, you're fortunate. Aren't you lucky to be here in Australia? Yes, I am lucky. It's it's a blessing to be in a country as peaceful as Australia. But sometimes it's much more than that. Sometimes my if I have to reflect back on my experience or my daily living, not even living with your entire family, it's a, it's a difficulty that we face every day. And living in a society where people perceive you or see you differently, it's a difficult experience. And living in a country where, as a young person, you can be picked on easily. I've worked with young people, especially as a young black male. Mm. Those experiences are different. And also, I'm not saying this for because of my experience alone. I've worked with a lot of young people, a lot of young black um, Africans. I know they, they experience challenges in their daily work in the society. People look at you differently. And the expectations, for example, in your, in your educational career, in your work, the expectations are higher than other people. You have to live to certain expectations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, 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 the trauma. Yeah. It it's the trauma we live with, like... Yeah, I know personally, and like I work as a lawyer, so yeah. I have a lot of um, 
my African brothers who would sometimes just give me a call to ask me about something, you know, they're scared because the police have pulled up or they're scared something. And even for me, just because I know that black, that fear even comes in. Like I fear for their life, even if they haven't done anything wrong, I still fear for them because you just know that you're marginalized yeah. no matter what, just simply because of the color of your skin. Okay, yeah. So it, like, I, I can't imagine how hard it must be for our black brothers. Like it's yeah. different for me. I'm st- I still do experience that marginalization. I still experience that little bit of racism that yeah. we get, but I know it's so much worse for men. Men, yes. Yeah, look, I've worked with a lot of young people in my community that like their daily experience it's very different from the normal te- like especially our teenagers it's very different from normal teenagers what they will experience or oh, they get pulled over easily because of their looks or their culture or the popular culture that they want to um, adapt to so they get picked on easily and it makes them uncomfortable it makes them uncomfortable it affects them a lot. And that also can affect the way they react to um, things in society. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So just um, from your own personal experience, what is your your view, I guess, of your culture, of Africa, and of what it means to be an African man? Um, I, I am a proud African in so many sense one um i was blessed to understand about my culture and i've been talking to people um i've been reading a lot about my culture so i was fortunate um when i arrived in australia i met with people that helped me to understand to be able to gain some knowledge about my culture for example i have a very um i'm leading a young men's group which is mostly about an African culture it's a hunter's group even though we're not practicing hunting here but we talked about our culture we learned the processes that our forefathers have been learning back home and we we learned their cultural songs because for example in West Africa most of our history was passed on to us through um, singing songs and that oral history so i've been able to learn that and i'm always willing to pass that to other um, young people so i was a bit fortunate to understand about my culture understand about my people so it helps me a lot and i'm proud of that part i'm proud of my ethnicity i'm proud of my culture i'm always proud to be an african that's why most of my work i always like to work within my people my community so outside my professional job I'm always ready to volunteer within the African community to do projects that will help me to relate more to my people. So I think it's something, and I've seen this recently, that there are a lot of young Africans, even the ones that were born here, that were brought up in Australia, are trying to learn about their culture. That cultural awareness is something that is important for us. It helps us to connect a lot. Yeah, yeah, that's something that um, Gala, one of the ladies I interviewed previously, told me that 
as you get older, you will start to really feel that pull back to your own culture. You'll start wanting to know and learn more yeah. about it. Yeah. And it's definitely been my experience that as I'm getting older, now I'm like wanting to really get to know no. more about yeah. culture. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, okay. I think with all what's happening as well in the world, for example, with the the Black Lives Matter awareness, things that are happening, it's making um, p- young Africans become more conscious of themselves. Okay, especially, for example, the ones that were born in the Western society who feel that they belong to a Western society, but yet the, well, the society that we live is failing them, is neglecting them. So the only place they can go back is to connect to their culture, to learn about their culture. I've been on social media where I've seen people who have no understanding about, for example, Orisha, the Yoruba society, are trying to, are wanting to know, they're trying to learn more about that culture. I've seen African Americans who were born in North America are trying to go back and learn about African culture and get a bit of understanding about the society. So I think because of society's failing, it's making people become more eager to learn. And it's also puts pressure on us as Africans to learn more because you don't want someone who was raised in the West to tell you more about your culture than you should know. Yes, 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 definitely. We need to not yeah. learn our own our culture, culture from the Western yeah. society. Society, yeah, and that's one unfortunate thing. So, and we get a lot from West because most of our colonial history, our culture, we didn't write them. Um, the history of our culture was written by someone from the West. It mm. makes it hard. I've been reading a lot about. West Africa about tribes recently I was reading about the Fulanese how they migrate to different parts of Africa and I always engage in conversation like that with other African people we always have arguments about where the, the Fulanese actually came from some people will say they migrated from um, East Af- um, Israel to East Africa then to West Africa but um African historians will tell you that their original Africans who were who might um, they settled in the the upper Guinea River, which is the Futa Jalo, and migrated yeah. to some part of Sudan. So I'm interested in learning about different tribes in Africa, different culture, to get more understanding, to be able to connect with my origin. Mm. See, that's something that I think I've, I've I've always wondered about, and I think you just answered that question for me. Yeah, like whether or not even us as Africans do we perpetuate the misconception of our own culture, culture because yeah. we don't actually know it. We're just learning what the Western society is telling us about our culture. Yeah which then takes everything our own cultural practices are suddenly seen as you know different we see them in a different light because we never actually took the time to learn the concept behind it yeah i think that's one struggle that a lot of our say africans in the west may have and even africans that are living in africa so for example when um because of um, colonization gives us two things 
one religion and edu and western education so we the two major religions like islam and christianity change the perspective of who an african person is for example if you're practicing an african culture they see it as demonic everything that comes from that black culture is something demonic mm. so which makes a lot of people are shunning their own culture their cultural practices for the western way of life so it makes you know we're in that dilemma especially for young africans so we're in the dilemma to say okay can we practice our culture or the west can we actually follow our culture or western religion i've been engaged in conversation with a lot of african people that can say oh i don't believe in the african tradition i don't believe in african rituals because they're demonic but if you look at it um, deeply it means they don't have that understanding about their culture they lack that understanding and this is not something it's not their fault i suppose it's something that we inherited from colonization so even some of our parents that that um, came to the west they lost that connection yes yes so Absolutely. yeah I was interestingly going through um, WhatsApp form. There was a video that was shared. I think it was this morning about um, an historian from Kenya who was actually talking about a topic about English and comparing why English is not an African language. And then the, I think it was on her, BBC Hard Talk, then the guy that was interviewing asked but yet um people like for example a popular writer who is a young thing the nigerian feminist said english is our language and this old man was saying yes she may say that but in a different i think she means meant something different if you look at the connection english is not an actually an african language because we still have swahili we still have yoruba these are original african languages but yet our children cannot speak them because they've grown up they were raised in the west they don't understand that part of language and this is all the fault of colonization yes and colonization has taught us that english is more superior it's more superior so I, than our yeah. own language yeah so i had a conversation with my friend few I think it was few months ago about literacy and illiteracy so uh, it's the, the understanding in africa if you can read and write in english or french or um you're definitely considered an illiterate person whilst um before the the advent or the arrival of english or the french in africa we our people were writing they have their own form of writing for example i came from a tribe that migrated from mali mali um before the arrivals of the french or the europeans there were schools and universities in mali they were writing in their own language for my maninka background they had their own scripts they had their own system of education and their system of government but with the advent of colonization they were considered illiterate or uneducated so it makes it difficult for us that in the west to even believe that and we still take that i think we follow that suit to say okay 
are people back home are uneducated. But my grandparents didn't attend Western, they didn't go to Western school, but they were still writing letters to their families way back in Mali or in the neighboring country, Guinea. Yeah. Yeah. So in a more, I guess, practical sense, how can we, how can we help, how can we aid the generations that are coming behind us to understand more of their culture and to keep that connection alive? Um, I think uh, the responsibility lies on us, especially for us that we're born and raised in Africa, for us that understand the culture to pass that knowledge to others. That's a, we have that freedom that most of our grandparents didn't have. It's like, it's the same with the indigenous population. So during colonization, for example, if you look, people were forced to go to a church or a mosque. They were forced not to practice their own religion or tradition in some part, it was hard for them. But in modern society today, in a liberal society, we have the freedom to practice that religion that our people in Africa didn't have the right to practice. For example, if you've read Things Fall Apart, a book from Chino Achebe. Loved that book so, when I was Yes, if you looked at Things Fall Apart, it's actually depicts a society that are um, that call, um, colonization set for us. Mm. So you find that the people were forced to practice the white man religion and they were even hiding to practice their own. Yeah. So, and today, because of democracy, because of liberalization, we actually have the freedom, even though we're in the West, to practice that religion, to be able to teach our young people and it should be an endless moving move, movement for us to pass that knowledge to another generation. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I think, I'll... yeah, that's the only way that generation as well can continue our race. Because if they understand, if they get the knowledge, if they understand about our culture, it's a continuous learning process. I've been learning a lot about my culture. Love things that I I missed. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like you've been really intentional about learning it. Yeah, that's really great. Yeah. Well, Mary, thank you so much yeah. for talking to me. I think I can talk to you forever yeah, about this conversation. Yeah, no, yeah. Thank you very much. But um, thank you very much for that yeah. insight. And you know, I would really love to connect with you. Okay. Later about a lot of these things and what we can do to keep our culture going. Yeah, thank you very much, blessing. Thank you. Bye. Honestly, though, um, that was a great conversation. Even for me, I learned so much, and it really gave me a lot of insight and perspective in that I never could have had, that I never really thought about. And it's amazing to see that there's so many young people who are coming out and out and just, you know, shining the light and on Africa, on our culture, on our 
beautiful continent um there's so much that we talked about and so much that we probably could have talked about so i'm hoping that one day i might be able to catch up with mari again about some of the stuff that he said um in the meantime i am lining up some more people to keep this this conversation going there is so many different phases of africa and it is my hope that it will get through all of them thank you for listening and you know again check us out on instagram marked by africa let's keep the conversation going